It was sixth grade. I was at the skating rink. Me and three buddies uh, were meeting up with some girls on a Friday night. Ooh, I know. <laughs> I know. In my mind, skating was the last thing I was thinking about. I was going to see a girl. And this was the night I was going to ask her to be my girlfriend. <sighs> now, mind you, I am the same size today as I was in middle school. <laughs> I'm not joking. I wore the same suit that I wore to my eighth grade dance to my ordination service as a pastor. <laughs> if anything, I'm consistent, right? <laughs> Acne was a thing. Um, that was the year I got the nickname Slim uh, as an ironic insult, right? So, but somehow, I conjured up the courage to ask this girl out. And so while everyone was with us, they all, they all left to go on to the skate floor for a couples-only skate. Have you been a part of these before? It's a lot of pressure there. <laughs> They're playing some sappy love song, and it's just me and her now. And I go, would you, would, would you go skating with me? <laughs> and she said yes. She said yes. <laughs> Yes, I'm a somebody. And so we go out to the floor, and as we look around, everyone that's skating is now holding hands while skating. And I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I reach out, and I grab her head, and we skated in circles for three and a half minutes. <laughs> and I had this mixture of look on my face of like, it's happening <laughs> with, uh, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I, I don't sweat. I rain. Like, I was just worried about my sweaty hand all over her. It was, it was bad, right? But the whole time, my buddies were like, yes, yes, you did it. <laughs> that was Friday. That was Friday night. Comes Monday morning. I go into middle school looking to find my new girlfriend so that we can plan our wedding. Um, and I see her walking down the hallway with another boy hand in hand. <laughs> my heart was crushed. Uh, we spent all of two beautiful hours together that Friday night. I had known her for all of two months. What could go wrong, right? <laughs> well, it turns out that she said yes to skating and not to dating. Um, and four weeks later, she broke up with that guy anyways, that loser, you know, so, but I, I just, <laughs> I loathe middle school relationships, right? I think we all do. Today, though, we're going to not talk about that. We're going to talk about love. This Advent series, as we've been working through all these different things, we, about all things new, uh, we talked about a new hope, a new peace, a new joy, and today I want us to talk about a new love. And love is something that we are all just obsessed with, right? Like, they did a study, and they found out that 65% of every song that's ever made is, in one form of another, a love song. 65% of songs are love, that all you need is love. Right? We know that one? We know this, but, but, but still, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. 
right? I, I could go on. I could go on all right, right? Yeah, but we want to know what love is, but, but what is love? Baby, don't hurt. Right? <laughs> we want to know what it is, but we don't know. We don't know, but Beyonce is crazy and drunk in love, right? And Keith Sweat said that whatever love is, he wanted it to last forever. Well, today, we're going to look at this crazy little thing called love from 1 John, and we'll look at the beginning of love, the substance of love, and the end of love. Let me say that again. We're going to look at the beginning of love, the substance of love, and the end of love. And so if you're able to, would you stand for the reading of God's word? We're going to have Jaja come on up uh, and read for us 1 John 4, verses 7 through 12. First John 4, 7 to 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> Thanks be to God. What, what long anticipation. All right, hey, y'all can take seats if you want, and we'll jump into this. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this time. We thank you that we get to gather together the week before Christmas and what anticipation and, and longing our own hearts have for uh, Christmas Day. I know, I know the kids have that. Some of us parents may be just longing for it all to be <laughs> over uh, but Lord, um, would, you, would you help us to repurpose Christmas uh, and even do so today through your preached word uh, to give us what a beautiful message it could be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the, the beginning of love. This whole passage begins and, and, and just bubbles with love. Like verse 7, beloved let us love one another. And that's just two Greek words there, agape toi, uh, a, a beloved, a beloved, and uh, loved ones, agape uh, men, beloved loved ones. And so loved ones, let us love one another. And so it's, it's just dripping with love as it's just start out in the thrust of this passage. And so in one sense, if we have heard hurt people hurt people, and we know that to be true, that if you've been hurt, you hurt people, what he's now trying to say is, if you've been loved, loved people, love people. And so here, here from the beginning, we, we see the source of God's love. Verse 7, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, and anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And so all true love is from God, 
Love is sung about and wondered about because it has something that has its origination from God. Not only does love find its starting point in God, John, who is referred to as the beloved apostle, is saying that God is love. Not God loves sometimes. No, he says something so definitive, right? It, it, God's essence, it's in his being. Because in the Trinity, you have God the Father loving God the Son, loving God the Spirit, three in one. And so he has and always will love. Even without our existence, even if we were never here, God would be love because he is always loving. There are three other statements in the New Testament that John says where it's, it talks about God's substance and it says that God is spirit or God is light or that God is a consuming fire. But God is love is radical. Like the Gnostics would, would, would say and espouse things like that you know, God is spirit and God is light, but they would never say that God is love. I mean, this is the most comprehensive statement about God's being, and it's repeated here twice in our passage. Verses 8 and verse 16, it says God is love. Now, it's important for us to hold God's attributes together. When we say God is love, we're not trying to say that all that God is is love. So we're not saying love is God, meaning that, that that's all he ever is. That's, that's all that's going on. No, that, that God is love. That's part of him. But I want us to also be careful, because sometimes I make that point and I stop there. I want to be careful that we don't swing the pendulum to the other side and say something like, well, love is only one thing that God does. Like, it's like a checklist for him to mark off. Like, okay, mow the lawn, love humanity, pick up groceries. Like, no, it's, it's more far-reaching than that. It means that all of his activity is a loving activity. Therefore, if, if God judges... He judges lovingly. If he creates, he creates in love. And so if this is who God is, if, if every facet of him is love, the way that he governs is in love, the way he protects is in love, then all in love, then if we claim to be born of God, then love has to be the number one characteristic of our walk. I, I, I mean, imagine a, a loveless Christian can you? Professing to know God, to have been born of God, and to not love. I mean, it's like saying that I, I, I'm, I'm good friends with a foreigner, but I don't really know how to speak their language, and so we don't really talk much. Can I really say that I love them? Right? Like, it, 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 it is, love is the acid test for Christianity. Anyone who does not love does not know God. And so the test of whether you actually believe if you may just say you believe, but whether you actually believe is if you are loving one another. And so if you have faith, you love. And in the, to weaken your faith, you deaden love. What this is saying is that you can't be a Christian and a jerk at the same time. How can we tear one another down with our words and say that we love God? How can we say we have God in us? John is saying that if you truly knew this type of love, you would never say those horrible things. But here's our problem. We have all bought the lie that we already do know that type of love. If I were to ask you, are, are you a loving person? 
obviously I'm setting you up now and you say, well, I don't know, but in, in a, in a crowded room, are you a loving person? You're like, yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty nice. I love people. I'm, I'm nice to dogs, cats. I could, I, I tolerate, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sorry. If you're a cat lover, just reverse it to dogs. Um, but I would say I'm generally a loving person. This is why that we need some, some definitions to this type of love. We need to know what type of love we're talking about. And so we want to talk about the substance of love. Though almost two out of three songs are about love, and there are so many meanings to this one word, right? It, it, it's like a homonym. A homonym is, is, is a word that's spelled the same but have different meanings. And so you can think of the word jam. I can think of three different meanings for the word jam. Can you? I can think of delicious strawberry jam on, on, with some peanut butter, right? I can think of a traffic jam on I-35 that we've all been in. Lord, deliver us. I can think of, you just got jammed, right? Um, any <laughs> Parks and Rec people out there? Whew, okay, that one may be over some people's heads, but it's a quote. All right, <laughs> the word love is a lot like that. Like, I could say, I love eggnog. Or, I love our dog, Tonks. But is it the same as saying, I love my wife? Or, I love my kids? I hope those aren't on the same levels, <laughs> right? <laughs> A lot of times when we say love, we, we mean different things. That's because there are different types of love. There are gradations in your love. There are different levels. And so I want to talk about a couple different types. One love that you may have or have seen uh, is a family love. And that is a love that you might see uh, where a mother or a father has for their infant and they just care ever so dearly for their, their child. There is a connection there. Or even, even within family, uh, uh, between sisters. Or a deep love between brothers, which we don't talk about until we're older. <laughs> That's my family. <laughs> but we have that love that now we would fight for one another, right? And I think this, this family love imitates the highest form that we're going to talk about, but, it, but it, I think it falls short. The next type of love I want to talk about is friendship love. And I think uh, I would argue this is the most undervalued type of love, and it's the most lacking in, in our experience. I think too many of us are, are missing out on friendship love, and it's powerful. C.S. Lewis talks about how you know a friend is you go, you too, meaning you, you go, oh, you, you love East Waco too? Or, oh, you've read Jamar Tisby too? There's like a connection that you guys are like, oh, yes, we're on the same page about that. I love that. And so there's, there's a, something that brings us together. And Lewis says, friendship love makes the brave braver. It makes the, the kind kinder. I mean, do you see how your friends do that for you? How they give you courage? How, how they, they, they push you and encourage you? Well, Lewis also says, but there's also a flip to that, is that friendship love could also make the proud prouder. Or those who want to give us moral support also give us immoral support. And so friends have this amazing power. Friends are powerful, and that, that friendship love is powerful. Um, but then you have this this other type of love, this passionate love, this, this erotic love, that, that, that's the, the love that you have for spouses. And it's a foreshadowing of that deep, intimate union with God. And so this is typically the love that sad middle schoolers at skate rinks long after 
This is also the love that has been sung uh, on the radio, but this love does not make any promise for its permanence. This love can be fleeting at times. If it's, if it's all passion, passion can run out. And that's when we come to the ultimate love, and I, I would say the, the highest form of love, and that is one that you and I deeply long for, and that is sacrificial love. Sacrificial love can best be described as, you can have my last piece of cake. I love you that much. Sacrificial love is unconditional love. A love that says, I will love you no matter what. It is a decision to love instead of this bubbling up of love. I think sometimes when we think of we love, we say, oh, I fell in love with them. It's, it's like something happened to us. But a lot of times, if we fall into love, we can also fall out of love. And so, and I think also that our love is so self-centered. We, we like to think about like, well, I'll love them, but what's in it for me? How does it benefit me? Will it give me any kickbacks in this relationship? Will it help me advance? Will it introduce me to the right people? Our love is selfish. But sacrificial love, by definition, is giving up of yourself. Instead of asking, how does this benefit me? It asks, how can I help you? It's a love that says, even if you don't love me, I will love you back. Even if you're ugly to me, I will love you. Even if you do all you can to ruin our relationship, I will love you. Because you cannot be kicked out of this type of love. Because I'm deciding to love you. Brothers and sisters, this is the type of love that you and I long for. And, and, and this is the one that, brothers and sisters, I want you to, to hold out for in your relationships. This is the substance of love. It's a love that will not quit. And it's a love that makes all the other loves that much better. It undergirds and gives st stability to all these other loves. And this is what we're celebrating this Christmas. This deeper love that, is, that I think is best displayed in the Christmas story. Because John lays it out for us here in verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. The love of God would, was made clear. What's it look like? He sent his only son into the world. The, the incarnation, the, the first advent, where the father sends his only son on a secret rescue mission to go covert, he doesn't just dress up like humanity, he puts on humanity. And Jesus, who is love, is now human. Well, how does that display God's love? Verse 10 tells us, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that God has loved us and sent his own son, which is the Christmas story. He sent his son, but then he says, to be Here's the reason why he sent his son, to be the propitiation for our sins, which is the Easter story. What John is implying with saying this, that God sent his son, was that he sent him to die. Jesus was like a lamb led to the slaughter. He was born so that he might die for his people. 
And that word propitiation means to satisfy divine wrath. Because our sins had cast us far from his presence. And we willingly served this new ruler, the devil. And we were deserving of hell. In Christ, he atones for our sin. means he, he pays for it. He pays our bill with his life. He does this for those who corrupt and abuse and misuse his love. And yet, that's who God chooses to set his affections on. It's not that he fell in love with you and got overwhelmed by how good we were. He chose to love you. In spite of all that we did back to him, he focused his love on you. There was no falling in love for God. That, that's weak. The, the only falling that happened was when God chose to fall to earth, to die for the least, the last, and the lost. This is sacrificial love. Even when their love is the exact opposite of what he calls love, even when our, our love looks like apathy, when we don't care for the people around us, I'm caring for them. Even when our, our love is self-seeking and always thinking of myself, Christ is selfless and is only thinking of you. Even when we keep a score in a record sheet of all the wrongdoings of people around us, Christ nails your record to the cross. And it was sacrificial love that held Jesus on the cross. And any other love, would have, he would have stepped down from. But this is a new love. A love that is revolutionary. And, and, and here's the end of love. Here's the point of it all. The end of what it's all been aiming towards. John says it ever so naturally in verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see how logical that is? If you've been loved, love one another. Like it just makes sense. If hurt people hurt people. Yes, that's true. But so too do loved people love people. And who has more experienced more love than Christians? We should be the most loving people in the world because we've seen what our Savior has done for us. When I look at how forgiving Christ is for me, I can forgive. When I see how gentle and kind he is to me, I, I can be gentle and kind. When I see how he fights for the poor, how he sets captives free by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can strive for those things as well. I can love sacrificially because he is love and he displays that ever so personally for me. And when we say that the end is love, what we mean is something radical. God's love is complete when we love one another. That's the end. When we love one another, it completes God's love in us. Verse 12 says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. No one has ever seen God's face. You can think of, of Moses who had to, had to turn around as God passed by him because his glory was so awesome and so dangerous. But here's how you can see God. When we love one another, you catch a glimpse of the Almighty. 
and his love is perfected in us. I mean, do you see what John is saying here? God's love is, is more than a feeling, right? <laughs> it's more than a thought or a nice gesture. This is what his love is reaching towards. Its end, its completion is it when it overwhelms us to then go love others. The early church was known for this. The early church was marked by this. North African theologian Tertullian says that the outsiders looked at Christians and saw them energetically feeding the poor and burying them, caring for boys and girls who lacked property and parents, and they were being attentive to the elderly, to the sick, at great cost to themselves. And so when the outside world looked at them, historian Alan Kreider says the outside world interpreted those actions as works of love. And they said, vide, look how they love one another. They did not say, aude, listen to the Christian's message. They did not say, lege, read what they write. Christianity's truth was visible. It was embodied and acted by its members. This world is dying to see God and God's love. And this is how we show it to them. This is how the church and Christianity exploded in those early years. And that's how it will happen today. Is this how you think of the church? Through sacrificial works of love and the outsiders say, oh, look at the church, look at how they love one another. Sadly, I don't think so. I mean, it's, it's far easier to claim allegiance to God than it is to his people. But God is saying that it is impossible for us to say, I love God, but I can't stand his church. This is how you love. You love those that you're embarrassed about. You love the hard to love. We're not talking about loving abusers, but we're talking about loving those who are just difficult to love. Jesus wants us to shock the world with our love of the least likely. Oh man, do we have an opportunity today. If we could just be known as a church, not for being a young church or for having great music, a great drummer, right? <laughs> if we could just be known for loving the most vulnerable, how they would look at the church and say, Vide, look at how they love how they listened to those who were hurting, how they loved one another with that deeper sacrificial love. Then the world would know God by our love and, and we would show God them to them by our love and, and then it perfects God's love in us. I mean, sometimes we think of God's perfecting work in us, this, this work of sanctification. It, it, it looks like making us better and, and growing in our ministry knowledge. That's who should be leading is those who are growing in their ministry knowledge well, yes, that's part of it. Or maybe it's, it's those who should be growing in their biblical knowledge. And yes, we need that. You need to know that and to be able to grow and, and, and do that. You need to lead others in, in by growing in that biblical knowledge. Or, but maybe we also think of it as growth, as, as growing in our giving and our tithes. And yes, that is a, a very difficult area for many Christians to, to grasp. But here's the thing. <laughs> You can grow in all of these areas and still not be a Christian. You can give the most. You can know the most. You can lead so effectively and yet be heartless. 
loveless, without any of these loves that we just talked about. You can deconstruct and discern what's wrong with every system and thought pattern in the world. You can poke holes in every theology, but your heart never breaks for God's image bearers. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 13 about love? This great chapter in love. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, what is it? If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, what does he say? If I give away all I have and deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, what does he say? He says, I am just a clanging symbol. No melody, nothing. I am nothing, nothing, nothing. If we do all of these things, but have not love, that's what it sounds like. Love is the beginning. It's who God is. Love has substance. It's not just being nice. It's sacrificing ourselves for one another. It's no better displayed than this Christmas season when he comes for us to die for us. And it's perfected in us when we love each other all the way until his second coming. And so, beloved, you've been loved. You are deeply loved by that deep sacrificial love. And now go love someone else like that. Do it today. Meet with your maker and then love the rest of his creation. Let's pray.